Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. My name is Eric Klein. And I'm Jennifer Waits. And today, we're joined by a friend of the show, Brian DeShazer, who is now the CEO of This Way Out, a queer radio program that's been on the air since 1988. Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. We last spoke with Brian on Radio Survivor on episode 187. It was about uh, 60 episodes ago about the preservation of queer radio archives, mostly from the Pacifica radio airwaves, you know, shows that had been heard on the Pacifica network in the 70s and the 80s, even the late 60s. And it's a pleasure to have Brian back to update us on that story of preserving the sounds of this, um, you know, mostly forgotten sounds of queer radio. Brian is also with us today because of his new role as the CEO of the radio show This Way Out, which has been on the radio since 1988 across the radio dial throughout the country. And Brian is also currently at this very second uh, working on a live stream to celebrate Pride Month that is going to air on June 25th. And we'll have all the details about that today. But Brian, uh, thank you for joining us today on Radio Survivor. Sure. And it's great to sort of come back in for Pride um, talk about not only my queer radio research project, but This Way Out International Radio Magazine that, as you said, started in 1988. Um, and I'm the new CEO, so I'm taking the organization and building it, expanding it. And one of the ways that I wanted to make people realize that This Way Out is an important element of giving news and solace and comfort and information to LGBT people around the world is by doing a, a new broadcast on Twitch and Zoom, you know, the virtual reality world. Um, and it's This Way Out's Global Queer Read-In, Thursday, June 25th. I have over 30 LGBT people and straight allies reading nothing but literature and poetry for 12 hours long. 15-minute um, segments of over 30 people, including Alfre Woodard, um, Charles Bush, the 2020 Pulitzer Prize winner for poetry, Jericho Brown, who's in conversation with the Maryland Poet Laureate, Grace Cavallari, the poet in the poem, also on Pacifica Radio for over 43 years, produced on public radio for the Library of Congress. All right, so I'm going to take a breath now. <laughs> well, it's a, yeah, so you are, a lot. you have been producing, <laughs> you have been, you've been putting in the hours to produce what is going to be a long multi-hour broadcast celebrating queer literature that's going to go out live on a on a webcast that we are going to talk more about. It'll be archived and so people can find out more about how to tune in or how to listen to how it sounded by staying tuned to Radio Survivor today. But uh, Brian, I definitely want to also have you put into context for the listeners um, the role that This Way Out, uh, the show that you are now the CEO of, but last time we spoke... Um, it was one of many shows that were in the spectrum of, of queer programming that had been on community radio stations for decades. Um, tell us about the show. Where where has it come from since since the late 80s? Right. Well, the 1980, think about 1979, the 1979 March on Washington. Pacifica Radio had um, already in 1974 started the first LGBT radio series called IMRU. Two of those producers, Lucia Chappell and Greg Gordon, were the two people that were on the ground in Washington and covered the 1979 march for um, the entire thing that was broadcast on Pacifica. Um, fast forward to 1988, they realized that not just within the United States, but internationally, there was an LGBT community that needed the, the 
progressive ideas and information that they were producing where nothing else was happening. Can so you, this Brian, way out, hold on, Brian, can you tell us more about that 1979 march? It, it, I don't want to let it just uh, fly by without, without sort of reemphasizing sure. it for people that aren't familiar with the history. Sure. So the 1979 March on Washington for gay um, rights, um, gay and lesbian rights, there's, there's always that tweak of the title, was the first march on Washington by a large group of people for um, gay rights. Um, and CBS, NBC, ABC um, probably covered it briefly for a moment on their newscast. NPR had just begun, um, and they also covered it um, on not Morning Edition, but one of the other programs that was around at that time. Uh, Bill Semmering had uh, invented it. Mm -hmm. um, but they also only did a small segment. Pacifica covered it live on the air from beginning to end all day long. And Lucia and um, Greg were the anchors. Um, they worked with Robin Tyler. They worked with Planet Queer. They worked with Planet Out. There were a group of activists and radio people that were on the ground and covered the whole doggone thing. Mm -hmm. That whole doggone thing um, is preserved in the Pacifica Radio Archives and was part of my preservation of queer history. So in writing queer history and looking at really one of the only books on how where does queer history begin on radio, public radio, This Way Out is one of those starter engines, one of those things that was the first of its kind. Right. I um, mean, Lucia and Greg still produce it weekly. To this day, we're on episode 1,682. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Right. right. 1,682. I um, mean, they're still pumping it out every week. Um, and they do it remotely. We do record sometimes at KPFK Studios. But right now, we're doing it remotely, and it's going well. Um, we do get you know not only stories from uh, other places, New Zealand, Ireland, Canada, all over, but we broadcast on terrestrial radio stations in Canada, in Australia, in New Zealand, and Afghanistan. Um, Afghanistan is the country that we get the most feedback on because it's so unique and so hard to find that kind of information for LGBT people community there that you know, they, they can and do get murdered systematically and directly because of finding a piece of evidence of a gay piece of literature. So radio is ephemeral. You can listen to it, the idea's in your head, and then it can disappear, no evidence. So This Way Out is one of those safe zones around the world that people can find a connection. And it's stories like drag queens doing theater, somebody doing a film about um, a, a queer person in, in the Philippines. So that's this way out, and I'm very proud that it exists. Um, but again, it's sort of been under the gun because Lucia and Greg have not had an administrator for 30-some years. I'm the first administrator to say, all right, so what have we got? Let's work with wow. this. Let's do something. That's really amazing. And that's like a that's a story of community radio or also just uh, producing independent uh, audio content, right, that sometimes the founders – um, there, there's this urgent need to found something, and mm -hmm. then and then a lot of momentum. And in uh, in this case, in the case of the show, this way out, decades of work, uh, sort of uh, barreling forward. It's it's exciting to think that's like a whole that's a whole other episode, and and like a like a it'd be a good roundtable conversation to have 
uh, mm-hmm. with your hosts of the sh- of the show, just about where they were, where they were when they founded it, the sense of urgency, and then, um, gosh, what a what an incredible legacy of the of every week of having another show devoted to LGBTQ issues and stories that airs around the world on radio stations and the internet. So, um, if people want to listen to and this, they, way and out, are they largely? in control of each episode still. That's just incredible for me to even fathom managing that type of program for 33 years, right? Mm-hmm. hmm uh, 31. Actually, we just celebrated the 30th anniversary last April, so we're in the 31st year. Um, and, and Lucia and Greg do talk about that urgency. You know, 1988, that was at the very beginning of the AIDS crisis. No information about AIDS was being sent out to the world except through this way out they are i am very proud to work for two people that i consider heroes not only in public radio but also in the lgbt movement that's incredible and there there was something called aids in focus was a very small 15 minute piece of information that was uh, produced by i think david rapkin i could be wrong about the name or david i say david i say um, out of wbai and those aids in focus were presented on This Way Out every week for like three or four years um, because that information was so, so remote and hard to find. And how how has the program changed over the years, would you say? It sounds like it, sounds like it airs a wide variety of stories from breaking news to also more lighthearted fare. Has right. that changed dramatically since the beginning? I think the format has pretty much changed, uh, but the way what has changed is actually the movement of um, inclusion, assimilation, um, cultural appropriation, cultural reclamation. Um, So the stories themselves. But I think what is absolutely unique about This Way Out is what's called the 10 minute news wrap. And it's for me the only place where there's a consolidation of headline news from around the world in 10 minutes. And it really is like a one minute story about something in the Philippines. The next story is about the president in Nigeria. The next story is about a lesbian couple in Korea, all trying to do the same thing. So there's immediately within 10 minutes, you feel the global connection with people like yourself. Whereas once we're in the United States and we listen to NPR and PBS, we're pretty, we're pretty much confined to the United States government's ideas of who we are and what we are. I mean, there's so much more to learn from other people that um, contribute to um, literally the news. Like, I now know about a couple in Korea who are, have been fighting long and hard for the adoption of their baby or a trans person in Ireland or somewhere who's simply just trying to play the sport of football as a trans person. Um, so the legalities are there, um, and it's really exciting. And I think that's the product, if you want to call it that, um, that I think is the strength of this way out that I want to push really hard and not sell. I don't like the word sell, but right. there should be a logo TV should be using our 10 minute news wrap somewhere in their broadcast. So I'm looking for partnerships, collaborations, and an understanding and acknowledgement of what this way out has been doing. Since, and how do you think having, yeah. Having that global perspective, how do you think that helps all of us? Well, it's that thing about the common denominator, the human um, condition that we're all in. When somebody from Jamaica 
who is struggling to find their place and their path to their authentic selves, when they hear, you know, me do a little report from backstage on a drag queen show called Women Behind Bars, and it's campy and fun, it might lighten the load a little bit. And then I listen to what that Jamaican story is about, and then I feel a little bit differently about my situation, my white privilege or my white gay man privilege or any of that, that I say like, wait a minute, I need to back up a step and realize that we're all in this. Yeah, it must be very profound to hear all the different experiences of, of um, the types of rights that people have or don't have all over the world. Right. And they're all in flux. I think that's the one thing I've learned. Like the United States has gay marriage. Some other place doesn't have it. Some other places it's on the way. Um, some places it's in litigation. And then some places are far ahead of the game than the United States in terms of trans rights or marriage rights um, and all of that. So, yeah, it's all in flux all over the place. So what settles it for me in listening to This Way Out is that we're all on the same path together. We're just at different stages, but what we can do is help each other. One place that gains a right inspires another place to start, start the fight. Um, marriage equality is probably, you know, one of those big stories. And right now, of course, the SCOTUS um, workers' rights is a big story where this happened in the United States. Other countries don't know that we just, or don't haven't been able to process Queer, you know, gay people and uh, LGBT people, LGBTQIA people in the United States now have a, a freedom that they hadn't had before. And what can it do to other countries? Of course, it's going to light some fires. Mm -hmm. Well, we're talking about the community radio program This Way Out, which Brian DeShazer, our guest today on Radio Survivor, just shared with us, has been on the air for 31 years. Uh, this radio program... Uh, it, to me, it's I'm excited today. It's uh, that it's it really is a opportunity to to have a conversation about um, uh, it links community radio culture of the late '80s to 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 the podcast uh, radio mm -hmm. culture, which is something that I think Radio Survivor has always sort of attempted. Right? There's this we've always known at Radio Survivor the potential for podcasts. Um, to, to excite the world the same way that we thought about community radio um, prior to the internet. And it's a, it's, it's nice to talk to you today, Brian, about, about this show that um, is one of the few that has had the opportunity to, to do both, to exist as a podcast and as a uh, community radio station heard on uh, 200 radio stations around the, around the country and around the world. Uh, from from the beginning, from from before the internet to to the current day, um, we're mm -hmm. also talking with you, Brian, because you are planning this uh, live web streamed Pride event that we want to talk about, that we want to focus on, where um, you're going to have a uh, how many hours of literature? Um, so far, twelve, and I might go over. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, uh, when I when I go for it, I go epic. Yeah, so sure. so so a, a roughly twelve hour reading of queer and gay and lesbian and Jake, <laughs> too many labels. Uh, all that stuff, all the good stuff uh, in literature. Um, that it's you know it's fun. We we're we are excited to talk about this live stream, both because of uh, you know because of the fact that you're planning it for you know a video 
stream on the internet, which has become um, the sort of uh, de facto form of media since uh, the quarantine, quarantine times of COVID-19 have, have um, redefined how, how the media is done. So there's been a lot of this, but it's fun to talk about it with you today, Brian, because uh, radio people sort of uh, already have a set of skills that um, mm-hmm. help them make live streams. Uh, we've been making live streams for a hundred and something years uh, right. on the radio. But yeah, so now we have the, not I won't call it a complication or a challenge. Actually, I, I, I invite it. But now we look at this new virtual world of uh, virtual broadcasts uh, with, and I see it as radio with now a visual element. Yeah. And that's not, it, it used to be a, a hurdle but now it's something that I can look at the virtual reality, this sort of long form epic in a different way of somewhere in the middle of television and radio. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of um, personal experience, but also something that I can control visually, which is exciting. Um, so at it, so thinking about it in terms of radio world, I'm absolutely inspired by the 1970 broadcast at WBAI Pacifica Radio, War and Peace, an entire reading of the book Tolstoy's War and Peace for the 100th anniversary in the middle of the Vietnam War. They, it, 180 readers read the book. It took over four days. Mm-hmm. Um, no inter- and it was only interrupted by news from Vietnam and Russian music. That's pretty much how I, what the format I had in mind. I was like, I want to do that, but with queer literature, and I want a lot of people reading and when I said, okay, so what one book would everybody read from? And that's when the problem started, when there really, there is no right. single book that represents everybody. Um, everybody's journey, the LGBTQ, never mind the added other um, things that uh, we go through to come to our authentic selves. Yeah. Hey, so uh, that- Brian, I, I want to interrupt you. Uh, just do me a favor with your new role as CEO of This Way Out and helping them. Let's let's uh, let's workshop a new label that's easier for radio people to say in in okay. one syllable. Just one syllable. We'll figure it out someday. Okay. Sorry. That's that's a joke, I guess. Oh. <laughs> but but it's real too, right? We need it. We need we need a new yeah, I, we need a new one or two syllable label uh, for the community that we're now discussing. Uh, yes, I agree. Well, queer is the word. You know, it's the queer global queer read in. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. I'll I take it. As long as uh, I'm okay with that label today, we can yeah. keep using it. Maybe that'll be how I take a deep breath and handle my right. role as the as the host of today's conversation on Radio Survivor. We are talking with Brian DeShazer, a friend of the show, who was last on to talk about uh, the preservation of the sounds of queer radio uh, through the '60s, '70s, '80s, and '90s. Is now the brand new CEO of the radio program This Way Out, which is hosting a live event on the internet to celebrate pride of uh, reading of literature for roughly 12 hours, 12 plus hours. It sounds like Brian, you're not going to, I expect everybody to be there from, from beginning to end. Yeah. (laughs) But I I like, I like this. I like the, I like the, the comparison of this, you know, event that you're going to have on zoom and Twitch, which are the current video platforms of the day, but comparing it to uh, WBAI's, 1970 reading of 
Tolstoy and how it's no, yeah, no one listened to all four days worth of content, but the fact that the broadcast was always there to um, to jump into and then to leave again, sort of the same way you would turn on your news feed and and read the news and then leave. You don't have to keep it on throughout the length of the day. Um, it's, right, it's a great right. way. You know, no one listens to the radio for 24 hours a day, but it's always there for you to turn on and dip a toe into the content. And uh, you and some people do. Everyone has that choice to listen to the radio all day long. Right. And I was also inspired by that WBAI broadcast um, of War and Peace by the the rule was 15 minutes in radio world was when the mon- the voice becomes monotonous to the ear. Ah. So they literally said, I don't care if you're the, and it really at that time, it's like, you're either, you, you could be Anne Bancroft or you could be the um, engineer underneath the board off that we needed somebody to read. You all get 15 minutes. After that, nobody's going to listen to you anymore. The story will start losing its oomph. Mm-hmm. So I did the same thing. It's like, all right, so everybody gets 15 minutes, 15 minutes of fame. Andy Warhol, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so, but also I do understand that, yeah, even a good reader after 15 minutes, I sort of need to sort of take a pause. Um, and then the idea of curating what kind of content goes into a reading like that. Um, do I assign literature and pieces to people or do I sure. say what is, and this is where I can and the answer was no to that immediately because I'm not learned enough to curate something about that. I just have my own personal likes and dislikes. Um, and so the really idea was like, and the point was, what book is it that you have on your bookshelf that meant something to you when you were coming out or means something to you about your marriage or means something to you in your life or that you still hold on to? Um, for me, it was Quentin Crisp's The Naked Civil Servant. Absolutely the first book I read that I recognized that there was somebody else like me and it's still on my bookshelf. Um, so that's what I would read if I were going to read. But luckily I have a lot more people that are better readers than I am. Um, including, and this is the point where as a producer of art, and I consider this a contemporary art piece, it is ephemeral, but it's also archival. It's something that nobody's going to sit in for 12 hours, but I want a lot of people to be able to reach in Mm -hmm. and grab some of this beautiful literature and poetry. Um, So I consider myself a contemporary artist and an audio sculptor. How about that? That's good. Give me a, Give me a couple more titles if I don't already have enough. <laughs> I love um, I love that personal aspect of it that you're having people select these pieces that were so meaningful to them, and and it, has it ended up that way where everybody has has selected their own reading? Ninety eight percent. There was a couple that we were just had. Um, they wanted to talk to me and come up with some options and what fits best their voice and. Also curating the content, what's the flow and what do we really want to say? And there was like some books that are poor things were so dated that they feel dated. And it was very uncomfortable for somebody to read you know, the N-word or something that was anti-trans. Um, so we you know, just sort of went into different directions. But for the most part, everybody has the buy-in on what they're going to read. Um, and then there's this the shift while we were in the middle of beginning this project was, uh, and we went into this because of COVID, everybody's at home. And that's sort of why the virtual world is having a little spike or a peak or yeah. a growth spurt, whatever you want it's to a, call it. It's a, the renaissance of uh, online media. 
Right. And yes, that I intend to break form or trying to break form with what I'm doing um, with these people reading. So the curation of the pieces, you know, so COVID was a thing and people were very isolated and feeling that idea of needing to lean on literature for solace and comfort. Um, same thing with poetry. There's those people that love the pride parades and the hedonism and the dance floors, but there's so many people that all they want is to read Virginia Woolf or James Baldwin or um, Quentin Crisp. So that's who I hope to reach to. Right. That's and also a very the, I, that's also a very important uh, point to make today in today's conversation is that um, you know this could have been an event that resonated last year because as you were saying, not everybody wants to celebrate gay pride by 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 as an extrovert there are there are introverts in mm -hmm, the community mm -hmm. and um it's it's a unique opportunity in the year 2020 in pride month to celebrate you know gay introvert pride um because, because <laughs> more people are being forced to be introverts during during the, the lockdown times right and already i'm 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 being introduced to the literature that i've never heard before or read before. So I'm excited to learn. Um, yeah. And so the, the next shift in the production was the Black Lives Matter and the murder of George Floyd. Um, so that took, that's when the piece became more of a responsibility to me mm -hmm. um, and more of an idea of like, all right, so in terms of curating and what's selected, I was absolutely adamant about finding the right person to read James Baldwin the fire next time at this moment in time in the middle of the um, protests so that we could hear and lean on James Baldwin's wisdom yeah, and rage. Let me not, not mamsy pamsy about it. His wisdom and rage from 1963. And I was lucky enough um, through my years of working as I do as Brian at the Pacific archives and whatever I did, um, I worked 17 years ago with Alfred Woodard, the actor, um, on a radio piece on the 100th anniversary of Debbie E.B. Du Bois' The Soul of Black Folk. Somehow that came back to me and Alfred Woodard landed in my lap. And when I told somebody I want Alfred Woodard to read James Baldwin's words, I got my wish. And Alfred Woodard is going to be reading James Baldwin The Fire Next Time for us yeah. on this broadcast. And uh, um, I, I, I had a rule early on that I didn't want any straight people. This was my time for gay people only. And boy, did I shift fast as soon as <laughs> as soon as Al Freese was willing to do it. I said, you know what? I actually do need to give space to straight allies who care about us. Well, Brian, you also shared with us a clip, um, a different clip of James Baldwin, uh, because because why not have two. Uh, two readings of James Baldwin in your in your fifteen minutes of fame, uh, queer literature uh, uh, extravaganza. What what are you calling your broadcast? What is the right? It's the uh, the global queer read in. The global twenty fifth on thiswayout.org. org. Thank you, Brian. The global queer read in. So you're gonna have James Baldwin uh, being read twice uh, during the event. Um, tell us about this clip that we're about to share with. The radio survivor audience um well, well paul outlaw is a performance artist and uh, he performs as james baldwin not as an impersonation but as a um and uh, there's more feeling to him but he's not trying to impersonate him um and we talked about him reading baldwin and what he would read and um 
he chose something from his collected essays called The American Dream and the American Negro. And as a companion piece to The Fire Next Time, it's perfect, it's beautiful, and the clip that I'm sharing with you is the end of a 15-minute reading performance. It is a terrible thing for an entire people to surrender to the notion that one-ninth of its population is beneath them. Until that moment comes when we, the Americans, are able to accept the fact that my ancestors are both white and black, that on that continent we are trying to forge a new identity, that we need each other, that I am not a ward of America, I am not an object of missionary charity, I am one of the people who built the country. Until this moment comes, there is scarcely any hope for the American dream. Because the people who are denied participation in it, by their, by their very, very presence, presence, they will wreck, wreck it. it. And if that happens, it's a very grave moment for the West. Thank you. And that's the voice of Paul Outlaw, performance artist, reading James Baldwin's, uh, which essay was that, Brian? The American Dream and the American Negro. That uh, The sound of which is going to be broadcast as part of the This Way Out Global Queer Read-In, which is taking place Thursday, June 25th, starting at 12 p.m. Pacific time. You can find out more about it by visiting uh, the website for This Way Out thiswayout.org, or you can find information, links on the show notes to today's episode on radiosurvivor.com. My name is Eric Klein. Our guest today is Brian DeShazer, and with me is Jennifer Waits. Brian, I'm interested in the theatrical elements to the this whole broadcast and of the global queer reading, and I know that it's concluding with a radio drama, so I think that's really interesting that you're that you're including a radio drama element. Can you talk a bit more about that? Uh, yes. And actually, um, I was really pleased. One of my other gigs in my world is as a Foley artist for an organization called LA Theater Works, who does that radio drama. Is amazing. I wow. Know. <laughs> I love that so much. Can, can you tell people what a Foley artist stop, is if they're not the nerds like us? <laughs> Jennifer's reconfiguring re, uh, the, the tone of the entire episode. I know. Now, I I, know. Now, now we have to talk. I have a whole other episode about my Foley work. I know, um, we do. So, so a Foley artist is the guy that does the live sound effects during a radio drama. So when there's a glass is clinking, I'm actually over in the pit clinking real glasses. If somebody gets punched, I'm punching... Um, a bag, uh, somebody falls, I'm literally falling on a board. Um, and I have to create everything from the sound of a, an eyeglass to just the passing of a book or the flipping of a page. Um, so how, that's a Foley artist. And how did you, so now I would really want to ask you about this, <laughs> how, did you, how did you learn your craft as a Foley artist? You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. I had zero experience doing it. I met the head of LA Theater Works in the lobby of a theater, and she said, do you know any Foley artists? And I said, oh, I would love to do that. I can do it. <laughs> and my, my, first, my first time ever doing it was in a show where the sound engineer, who had done 150 shows there, said, this is in the top five of the hardest, most complicated Foley work I've ever seen. So I got baptized by fire, and I've done three shows with them now, so I feel 
I'm okay. I can do it. How fun. <laughs> wow. So, so, and what okay. and what made it so difficult? Was it there was so much sound that had to be created? Um, so much sound was so complicated. A lot of it was period. Like I had to have a period typewriter, the right kind of period typewriter. <laughs> I had to type on the manual typewriter within a period, like with the right kind of carbon paper. Everything had to sound. The telephone had to be the right telephone. The telephone ring had to be the right telephone ring. It had to be British, not American. The phone receiver had to be this particular model, not that particular model. Funny. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that and all of that. How funny. To, um, yeah. Well, I want to uh, – so t- take us back to your the <laughs> upcoming broadcast. I know. The, the broadcast know. for June 25th. The radio which drama. Is, which is going to have radio right. drama at the conclusion of the, the live event that's broadcasting right. on – on the internet. All right. So LA theater works is the company that I do fully work. So I called them to enlist help with, Hey, can you help me find some participants who might want to be able to read? Um, and they were super generous and offered me as a premium gift for our fundraiser for a hundred dollars. Um, you'll get the two hour drama called eight, which is a play by Dustin Lance black directed by Rob Reiner. Hmm. And let me tell you, and I'm going to just go with this cast list Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Martin Sheen, Kevin Bacon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christine Lottie, John C. Riley, Jane Lynch, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Matthew Morrison, Chris Colfer, Yardley Smith, Matt Bomer, George Takai, Rory O'Malley, Cleve Jones, James Pickens Jr., Jansen Panettiere, Richard Zadina, and a that is what I call an all-star cast. Wow. Yeah, and that's think, a who's who. I think I know something <laughs> about this play. Is this the play that's about the um, the Supreme Court? Decision? Yes, about the marriage equality, um, and Brad Pitt plays the the judge, um, and Mo- George Clooney and Martin Sheen play the attorneys, um, <laughs> and the rest of the people um, play the uh, the witnesses. How delightful! Um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited, and 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 actually ending the piece with radio drama in two hours, going from 10 p.m. to midnight, is the scheduled broadcast of that radio play. Ah, the whole play. Um, yeah, I'm playing it in its entirety without interruption. That's radio drama, and that's how I roll. Yeah. Um, I didn't want clips. I started with, like, well, maybe we can pick a clip of right. my favorite people. Um, and George, Brad Pitt isn't LGBT, so no to him. Well, of course I'm going to play Brad Pitt. Um, so then I realized, that, you know what, let's just go for it. If I'm, I'm already at 10 hours, what's two hours more going to be? How, how um, exciting. And, so is this- and we are radio. I mean, this is This Way Out radio, so I'm really trying to enhance again, that the fundraiser in this broadcast, this whole thing, is to support the legacy of This Way Out and build it into something new and bigger and better. That's really fun. So people can tune in to the last uh, two hours of of the broadcast to hear that um, radio drama performance in its entirety. Uh, remind remind us again how people can find the information on the internet if they don't if they don't go to radiosurvivor.com for the links. How can they click right. it? Um, thiswayout.org. Um, there's a dedicated page to the whole um, queer read-in. You can see the list of everybody that's reading and the books that they're reading. You'll see a picture of the book cover. You'll see a picture of the reader. Um, and go from there. So, yeah, thiswayout.org should have the links to the Twitch and the Zoom and the whatnots. Yeah. And, um, well, why Twitch and Zoom, right? Because this, well, I, I know the answer already. It's like you don't, it it would be difficult to uh, grab a program director's attention at a community radio station to get them to to give you to give you twelve hours 
but right. but you yeah. but you could have tried. <laughs> Why? How come? I could have tried. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something. It has it has happened before. Um, maybe that's the end of that question. It's just a fun. It's fun to think about that moment, and that's been part of this. You know, this chunk of our lives, the twenty first century. That um, that there are less gatekeepers to making independent media now. It's just a matter of. Um, it's a matter of finding anyone to be an audience to your independent media mm-hmm. as opposed to um, convincing some of the people whose job it was to program a radio station uh, to give you airtime. Right. Uh, and, this, and this is also creating original content for This Way Out. So throughout the year, ah. coming year, we'll, we'll be playing these 15-minute um, segments individually throughout the year. So I'm creating content as well as gifting on this beautiful broadcast for Pride to LGBTQ listeners, viewers, and anybody else that loves literature and poetry. Well, maybe that's a good uh, segue for talking again about the community radio program This Way Out, which if you've been with us today on Radio Survivor for the full show, you've already learned about the program. But to summarize, it's uh, one of it's it's still on the air. It's been on the air now for over 30 years, and it's a uh, LGBTQ radio program uh, with the same two hosts the whole time who have roots going all the way back uh, to um, in in the gay struggle. And I wonder now if uh, you could talk about like for, for listeners who haven't heard the program, I'm sure many listeners have had an opportunity to hear this way out in the 30 years that it's been on community radio stations. But um, what do you what do you see for the show in the coming years compared to how it has sounded um, in its, in its uh, previous seasons. Well, right. Well, I, I think what I'm, and I hate this kind of word, if I want it younger and newer and fresher, and right. um, that's really not what my goal is. Um, but what I want to do is um, give Lucia and Greg the, the tools to help train new uh, contributors to the show you know, open the gates and open the doors a little wider um, and and invite. And, and one, This Way Out is a radio show, but it's an umbrella organization. It's called Overnight Productions. So it's an, a 501c3. So we could have two or three radio shows if we wanted. Um, so this broadcast is really to show off the idea of, like, there is a radio show that everybody is invited to come to the table to um be a part of, and it's called This Way Out. We accept contributions from all over um, to coordinate into the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I want new producers. I want new ideas. I want new stories. Uh. I want new stories about the trans community. I want a series produced by trans people about trans people for This Way Out with no interference from anybody else. Right. Oh. And that's exact. And that's exactly what This Way Out needed from public radio at the time when there was nobody telling stories by and for gay people. It was straight people saying, yeah, we'll give you a minute or two. Those gay people over there, they're protesting. They're probably pretty cool. Right. Uh, but nobody actually gave them the microphone. So there was a moment when they a radio station, and it was KPFK, WBAI, KPFA, Pacifica Radio. Those are the three stations that said, okay, we'll start giving you 15-minute commentaries weekly. Then we'll give you a half an hour show. And then you get a series. And then the producer said, all right, so we're going to do our own series. That's how it built. And I want to expand that and grow it because there are more, more 
contributors out there, you know, the landscape of artists and people that could bring their stories and artistry to something like this way out and share it with the world and through terrestrial radio and podcasting and online whatnot. And my professional word for that is what naughty. Uh-huh, sure. Um, <laughs> and what are, um, is what I think is exciting for me as a CEO and coming from a long career of sort of reinventing the Pacifica Radio Archives. Now it's time for me to look at that queer aspect of what what can we put on the radio that's meaningful and impactful to LGBT communities. You mentioned Brian. You mentioned that you'd really like to have a show that is created by people who are trans for people who are trans. What are some other stories and topic areas that you think are really lacking and need to be highlighted more? Well, yeah, one of these things I talked about earlier was this idea that all these countries are in flux with their legal path towards civil rights. Um, One country has more marriage rights than the other and trans rights are better over here. And there's some surprising Facts about that. A country where you would think, oh no, they're still third world, they're not gonna they don't have any rights. Turns out that they have more rights than people in the United States in some nuances. What I would wow. like is an attorney to break down and explain the legal differences and the variances throughout the world, because I don't know. I can't explain why we have this right, but they don't have that right. And uh, yeah, it it it's there, but it's still confusing. I need somebody to analyze it. And I, I can't find that anywhere in the world right now. I don't know of a lawyer that says, okay, so this is how it's going for us all over the world, people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's a really complex question as a producer because I think um, we, don't have, uh, we don't have an international uh, legal frame. You know, every, every country has its own set of laws. So you'll, you'll need a lot of lawyers uh, to yeah, tell that Yeah, to cover... Exactly. And and you're covering stories from all over the world. So that's sort of, yeah, that's mind boggling to find folks who could be experts in all of those intricacies, those ever changing intricacies. Right. Right. And and we are a partnered. In fact, one of the sponsoring organizations for this global queer read in is Outright International. Um, And the executive director, Jessica Stern, is one of our participating readers and one of their program officers from Jamaica. Um, is also one of the readers, and they are the organization that, that does help um, distill some of all of that information. And but they're also um, an organization um, that is fairly unknown on the wide spectrum of news. Um, you know, they don't get copy in the LA Times. Let me put it that way. Um, but they're one of our partners, and they're ones that we lean to when we look for stories about a particular legal situation. Yeah, because I'm just thinking, like, I'm just just contemplating talking about the LGBTQ uh, legal issues and cultural issues, like on the continent of Africa, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, you could you could spend some time reporting that story. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of variation and uh, different. You know, just there's a lot of stories. Uh, right. How exciting! Well. Brian DeShazer, the last time you were on Radio Survivor, as we discussed today, um, you brought us um, you, you brought us stories about your expertise in in uh, listening to the archives of of radio programs from from the sixties, seventies, eighties that that led the way that were the first to um, to share stories from the LGBTQ community 
on the airwaves. And you're, mm-hmm. you're joining us today because you've now um, taken on this new role with this existing show, which is probably, uh, I'm assuming, um, also in those archives since it has been on the air mm-hmm. since the late 80s. I, I wonder if you could tell us again uh, some more about about um, some of those sounds that were that were unique in their day, like you know some some of the things that happened on the radio for for these uh, gay radio programs, like in the seventies and eighties, say that are are worth um, worth knowing about, so they can be repeated uh, in the year twenty twenty year tw- and twenty twenty one as this program uh, you know moves forward into the future. Sure. You know, one of the things with my queer radio research projects um, as a researcher and like really diving in into trying to write the history of where did gay people, on, LGBT people, um, begin on public radio. So we know it started with 1956 Allen Ginsberg reading Howl on public radio KPFA. Um, fast forward, there's a lot going on, but 1974 is the next break where KPFK in Los Angeles had a show called Gay Commentaries by a man by the rich name of Richard Gollins. Um, those tapes didn't exist when I found the paper records. I found Richard, found the tapes in a storage unit in Palm Springs, pulled them together. We got them to the University of California, Santa Barbara, where they were digitized, preserved, and um, they're presented. What those commentaries are and what those shows were about was the building of the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center here in Los Angeles, which is now the biggest in the entire country. They just opened like uh, housing for um, homeless gay youth, uh, housing for elderly um, people. And they were the ones that were there at the very beginning of the AIDS crisis. So some of these interviews were, why why do gay people need a, a VD clinic? Why do they need to be um, having their own clinic? And the answer was, when LGBT people go to a, a, a doctor in the mainstream, there are hurdles, there's yeah. discrimination, there's judgment, there's dis- misdiagnoses, all of that. So that's why we needed it. That's really exciting. So I want to interrupt. Justifying that, that what is, how do you build a center? I want to interrupt the, because you're answering my question, but I just want to uh, uh, like emphasize that you just reminded us of something because Jennifer and I have been producing many episodes of Radio Survivor since we last spoke to you. And it's a reoccurring theme with, with, with every academic who looks into radio history that they find tantalizing clues of what something might've sounded like, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a small amount of written information and there are no sounds. And it's really exciting that you had a clue about the existence of sounds that you were able to follow up upon with it and it's a very rare story of radio preservation to go from knowing that something existed but not knowing what it sounded like to actually um finding tape to finding the tape before it was lost um knowing that it existed and then finding it is a very um it's a very exciting version of this story because i mean just last week we had someone on that well i i know that this tape you know i know that this sound existed once but there's no way for me to know uh to for for me i can only use my imagination you know there's there's a lot less uh information uh available to people who are studying the history so you found the sound you were able to study the history and that's why you were telling us about the details of the founding of this um center for 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 
for the queer community in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, which still mm-hmm. exists. Um, but okay, so that's my that's my interruption to be excited about your answer. But you're still in the middle of your answer. Uh, well, all right. So that was that. So Richard, um, I don't want to be bittersweet, but R- Richard passed away last year. Oh. But the good news is that while, during his last year of life, we discovered him. We found the tapes. Together, we drove up to Santa Barbara, put them in the hands of the archivist, and he was able to sit and listen to those recordings for the first time since 1974. And what a heartwarming gift that I was given to be able to let that happen and preserve his legacy. And his husband knows that Richard's um, radio legacy as the first gay person to be on public radio commenting on gay, gay culture is now preserved for and and part of history. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, because that's you know you're mentioning that earlier today in the hour that um, I think it's important to talk about, especially not just about queer issues, but about all all of the issues that we care about mm-hmm. in, in our in all of our communities. That in a lot of ways, it's oftentimes somebody who represents mainstream whatever that means, or, or the primary form, asking the questions of, of the other person, and then the other person gets to answer them. And mm-hmm. I've, I've heard this in so many different examples in so many different realms. And so it's always special to hear that the person get to, get to decide, you know, the, get, get, to, get to be the, in the primary position in, the, in front of a microphone, not, mm-hmm. not the secondary, not answering questions, and, and- but forming questions. Right, and controlling the dialogue yeah. and controlling um, how the conversation is to be moving forward. Whereas when you're the subject of an interview, you don't, you don't really have as much um, control, unless you're me, who takes control anyway. <laughs> you're doing a great job, Brian. And so I think, so I, so I, um, so I asked that long question uh, five minutes ago, seven minutes ago, and uh, you're an- you answered with Richard Gallant's right. uh, materials. So how... Yeah, so is that that I guess that is the answer that having that 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 putting microphones in places making microphones available so that people can control their own interviews. Narrative. Yeah, and their own narratives um which is a part of what community radio has always strived for and which is something that I know we at Radio Survivor are always excited about uh when it comes to to having conversations about, you know, community media on the internet, be it YouTube or Twitch or podcasting, which is a, one of our primary uh, focuses here on our radio program. Uh, my name is Eric Klein. We're about six minutes before the end of Radio Survivor today. I'm joined by my co-host Jennifer Waits here at Radio Survivor, and we're talking with Brian DeShazer because Brian it has a new role uh, as the CEO of the long-running queer radio program this way out which is heard on hundreds and hundreds of stations and has been on the air for for decades and brian is organizing um uh, depending on when you're listening to this episode of radio survivor it is either about to happen or has recently happened in the past a day long live broadcast of a celebration of queer literature being read on the platforms of zoom and twitch which you can find out more about by going, uh, finding links at radiosurvivor.com or uh, go to thiswayout.org on the internet. That broadcast is on June 25th, um, yeah. and, and you can find out how to tune in by searching out those links. So, Brian, thinking about, you're an expert in the history of 
of queer radio. So I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about through this lens, what's, what's the landscape like today for queer radio all over the world? And, and I know that, you know, we're hearing more stories about LGBTQ people on mainstream radio, mm-hmm. but I'm mm-hmm. curious if there, is there a plethora of queer programming as well across, uh, you know, a lot of other, um, are, are there a lot of queer oriented radio shows in addition to the stories that we might hear on mainstream radio? Not a lot. And I, and I must say, I haven't done the, the research to give you a definitive expert answer. Um, but from, from what I can see from my point, from my little chair, um, is that there really isn't a lot of queer um, radio shows on public radio. Um, and the reason is, and you all know this, um, is that it's fighting for the block of time. And yeah. there's only 24 hours in the day on terrestrial radio. Um, and the argument has gone on for decades since that first time, since before that first series, is that we don't need to give those people uh, their own half hour because we're telling their show. The, we, we interviewed them yesterday on my show, hmm. so they don't need that half hour. So it's, again, that the mainstream, the straight world says they've got it covered. We love you. We're going to interview you and we're going to expose your beautiful self. But they didn't forget, like, hey, wait a minute, maybe I'd like to say that myself and, again, my own narrative. Um, so it, it is few and far between, but that's neither here nor there because there's a lot of shows that belong on public radio or could be good on public radio that aren't, but it's just that's the nature of that game. Yeah. So for queer artists and queer radio people and people that want to create, um, the Internet has given, as you said, open those doors and open those gates to where they're not confined by television, radio, or nothing. Yeah, there's um, that's a different project altogether to try to wrap your brain around the media landscape of queer podcasting and YouTube content. Because um, I'm sure there's, and and on Twitch as well, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. It's, it's, it's really like two generations now, the millennials and now Gen Z, who probably right. put a lot more of their dreams of being in front of microphones um, have nothing to do with with the Gen X's radio stations. <laughs> they're, they're they're not even they're, they don't even know they're being left out because it's just not a part of um, how they see the media. Um, it's it's right. really and, an internet based place. Right, and and I also think it's a network closing, but also think about the the idea of public radio, the Lewis Hill original model. Um, LGBT people, where you're seeing them in the mainstream is commercial. Logo TV, Netflix, HBO, blah, blah, blah. That's commercial. That is not us telling our stories in our own way without restriction. And that's where we have drag queen shows on Twitch and right. global queer read-ins by This Way Out with 30 readers, including you know Sophie B. Hawkins and Alfre Woodard and L. Morgan Lee, who just won, um, who was in the musical A Strange Loop that just won the Pulitzer Prize. So I'm pleased that there's a platform and a way for me to create the way that I want to without somebody telling me how to do it. Yeah, I think that's a really, I think that's a, a good point to sort of contemplate as we conclude today's show that there's a lot of representation now and a lot of positive change as far as, uh, the media but yeah brian you said it this is still commercial media and it has its own it has its own 
reasons for existing, and it's it's nice to think about um, about there being another place for sometimes I guess less marketable ideas or just um, you know I mean well, books. Well, yeah, you're gonna find Logo TV doing a 12-hour marathon of people reading literature. Reading They're like books. Well, what's that book? What what reading books? <laughs> Well, um, give us one more as as we conclude today's episode of Razor Survivor. Give the listeners one more chance to understand um, the live broadcast. Right, starting at noon. Um, the yeah, starting at noon on Thursday, the Global Queer Read In will start. Um, over thirty three people reading fifteen minute um, portions of great LGBT literature by Rita Mae Brown, Paul Monette, Truman Capote, Virginia Woolf, Patricia Highsmith. Um, poets um, all over the place. Alexis Duveau is going to be reading Audre Lorde. Uh, Charles Bush, the famous playwright, is going to be reading from an unpublished memoirs. So this is going to be going on for 12 hours, and every 15 minutes, the flavor's going to change. If you don't like the weather, just wait 15 minutes. The book's going to change. <laughs> That's great. And people can find links to the live broadcast if it is June 25th at thiswayout.org or at radiosurvivor.com. And if you're listening after June 25th, you can uh, find out about the archives of the broadcast that we just talked about at those web locations. Brian DeShazer, CEO of This Way Out, thank you so much for joining us today on Radio Survivor. Thank you so much yourself. I really enjoyed the talk. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Survivor. This was episode number 251. We last spoke with Brian DeShazer on episode number 187. And you can listen to that uh, amazing conversation about the archiving of LGBTQ radio history, one of our favorite episodes, um, by going to the website, radiosurvivor.com. Com. Also, in today's show notes for episode one, number 251, we'll have links to everything we talked about, as well as links to that previous episode of Radio Survivor. Uh, today's interview with Brian DeShazer was produced by myself, Eric Klein, as well as Jennifer Waits. Paul Reismandel, who also works hard on Radio Survivor, will be back real soon. We look forward to having Paul back on the airwaves. And... Uh, if you would like to listen to this radio program anytime you like, you can always tune into the affiliate stations, which air Radio Survivor, or you can listen as a podcast. You can find links to our work at radiosurvivor.com, or you can also subscribe to Radio Survivor anywhere where you get your podcasts. It is always free to subscribe to Radio Survivor. And we put out a show every week for the love of radio and sound and history and the archives and all that good stuff. Uh, radio Survivor is a listener and reader-supported enterprise. To find out more, you can go to radiosurvivor.com support. We also love to get emails and feedback from our listeners. Questions, comments, show ideas, all of it. You can email us podcast at radiosurvivor.com on behalf of jennifer waits paul reese mandel and myself as well as matthew lassar the people who make radio survivor thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week